Hi everyone, welcome back to Central American Voices. I'm your host, Alejandra Quiroz. Gracias por sintonizarnos una vez más. So today we're talking with Javier Lopez, a Guatemalan-American raised in the DMV. Thank you, Javier, for being with us today. Hi, hello, Alejandra. Yes, uh, thank you. I appreciate uh, I appreciate the time, the space to 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 talk with you today, and I uh, just want to give you all a big shout out. Really appreciate it, and it's also, like I said, uh, just nice to hear what other people have to say too. So I'm just grateful, grateful for the opportunity, and yeah, I'm excited for our conversation. I think I think it's going to be a good one. Yes, I'm super excited to have you today. Uh, we have a lot of topics uh, to talk, and you know. Um, First of all, I know, you know, like you said, you're in Guatemala, America, you grew up here in the DME, but you were born in Guatemala. So how was your experience growing up as a mixed Central American, but born in Guatemala and then and raised here and in the DME area? Yeah, so, um, yeah, it's a good question. It's been, you know, I, I feel really grateful that I was able to to grow up where where I grew up in the DMV. Um, how it all happened? Well, my mom is um, is a union organizer, like a labor organizer, and um, she was working in Guatemala at the time. She's from Connecticut, like a, a rural part of Connecticut, uh, Italian-American family. And so she was living in Guatemala at the time. Um, you know, we, she was living there. We were living there with my with my dad uh, and my mom and we were living in Guatemala city. Um, and so we were there for a while and, you know, my, as a labor organizer during the time, this was like in the nineties, there was a lot of, of stuff going on, um, in terms of like organizing. And my mom was working on, on organizing in the, in the Northeastern region in the Isabal region, uh, where all the, the, like Del Monte, mm-hmm. um, plantations and whatnot. Um, so she was doing organizing there and, um, fortunately the situation wasn't really, uh, so safe for us to be there. So we kind of abruptly left in 2002, um, after a few kind of somewhat, you know, precarious things had happened. And so we, we, we left at the time and we went to Costa Rica, um, and we lived in San Jose for, for a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, my mom was like, okay, like we're going to go, go to the United States. And so we came, uh, to the U S and I, I grew up in the DMV and, um, you know, when I came to, to the U S at that time, uh, I had been before because obviously like I have some family in the U S and so I had come like, you know, when, when we were living in Guatista, when we were living in San Jose, um, a little bit. So I was, you know, I was familiar with the U S and, and what it was all about, but, uh, you know, that's kind of when things began, you know, when I came as a kid, I was maybe six years old. And so, um, I feel very fortunate because I didn't realize, you know, at the time when I moved there, obviously as a kid and even growing up, how special of a place it was uh, in terms of being connected to Central America. Um, you know, mm-hmm. the, the DMV is known for having uh, a lot of uh, Central Americans, specifically uh, Salvadorans, people who, who, who went there, mm-hmm. you know, starting in the 80s um, as a result of the armed conflict. Um, and so... Uh, there's a lot of Central American representation. Obviously, there is, you know, kind of a strong presence of uh, El Salvador, but also Honduras and Guatemala también, and uh, Nicaragua incluso, and, and Costa Rica mm-hmm. también, you know. So you kind of had this whole, 
this, I, you know, there was that sense of belonging in a sense, um, growing up that I didn't realize was so unique and, and was so special. Um, so that's something that I really appreciate. And, and I think, uh, when I went to college, when I was, um, you know, after high school, uh, and I went to California, actually Southern California, I, I kind of, that's when it really hit mm-hmm. me, like the extent to which I was in a pretty special place like that. Um, just cause I mean, I'm, I'm sure as you know, like there's the Mexican culture is a lot stronger mm-hmm. out on the West coast. And so that was pretty different for me. You know, I wasn't familiar with, uh, you know, we, I didn't grow up like necessarily having the taco trucks and like the eloteros or the, mm-hmm. you know, even the, the, the people in LA that are always selling the fruit and all that type of stuff. Like that's, it's just, that was just like a whole different, mm-hmm. different thing, you know? So, uh, I, you know, I'm happy that I was able to go out to California because it gave me that, that perspective, you know, to appreciate really what the DMV is all about and, and just really appreciate like all the moments that, I get to spend there because it is that, that special feeling of like knowing, you know, that, you know, it's here. And, and, and I don't know, it was just something that was so normal, but like I said, I really do do appreciate now. And I'm also just grateful that, um, uh, I also had the opportunities to, to go back to what they, um, because, uh, it, it kept a lot of things in perspective, I think for me, uh, just being able to, to mm-hmm. see those differences and understand that, um, you know, I was living a very different reality, a very different life from that of my family. And, um, you know, for a long time, it was kind of like hard to figure out what exactly that meant and why things were so different. Um, but I think that now, like as mm-hmm. time has gone by, um, yeah, I think I, I've come to, to just understand those differences and appreciate those differences and, and appreciate the life that I've also been able to have because it's, I feel very fortunate and very blessed and, and, and yeah, I think that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of, you know, DMV, my DMV experience in a nutshell. Um, you know what, like, it's very nice to hear it, like from another perspective, because this is not the first time that I hear about the Central American, um, culture and like type of community in the DMV area. This is something that I was not very familiar. Like in the West Coast, specifically here in LA, as you mentioned, the Mexican community has a, has a very strong presence. Mm-hmm. Um, so I seeing how you con- contrasted that, I, I cannot imagine myself living in a place with no digamos, eloteros or like <laughs> taco trucks. You know what I mean? Right, Just right. because when I moved here on my 14, uh, 14 years old, that was that was what is called normal. Mm-hmm. You know, that I was like, okay, I got used to, you know, walking or like, uh, comprar fruta en la esquina. So it's a very nice perspective, as, as you mentioned. And of course, telling your story, how, you know, being born in Guatemala, moving to San Jose, then the DMV area, and then coming to school here. Um, and of course, you know, like the connections that you make with the DMV area, how, you know, it's not only like the Salvadoran community, which is very strong over there, but the entire Central American community. And I, I just, it's, it just feels special, you know, cause I, I don't know, like I can, I can imagine of community here mm-hmm. uh, in LA, but it's not, I don't think it's the same of having like, oh, you know, like I can conozco, you know, Central, Central Americans, like in a, I'm not going to say like it just in one place, but like, mm. I get to know more Central Americans just because here, I don't know, it, it's not easy to find Central Americans, if that makes sense. Right, no, um, definitely. And like, um, for you to be able to travel back to Guatemala, and I think I'm 100% that 
is not only like you know of course special because there's a place you were born that's where you know fa- you have family still over there um but at the same time i'm 100 that's what i influenced you and another and other stuff that you have worked and done over the past year so um it's very nice to see how like you know yeah maybe you went through like all these places where like in each place the the Central American picture is different, mm-hmm. but you were always coming back to like Guatemala, and I was like seeing the bigger pictures. Who kind like you know, como que te dicen, como like you always know like the connections and everything. So I think it was nice to hear that from you, um, and then it, it it makes me imagine you know like what is you know the diaspora and the connection with you know the homeland now moving here, mm. and of course. This is going to tie down to the what we're going to talk about, which is Central American Studies. Um, some of the work that you have um, done centers and uh, like activism in Central American Studies, a scholarship. Um, as someone you know, like um, that I was telling you before recording, I graduated with double major in Central American Studies from Cal State Northridge. Is like is is a title in my diploma that I'm very proud of, mm-hmm. that I feel honored to have. However, I do feel like it's, it's a, um, as to a certain point, it's a privilege because it's not accessible to everyone. Mm. Um, so, um, do you think the Central American Studies should be, uh, th- well, I mean, this is like a more like a center question to like Central American Studies, but of course, like we can talk, of course, how I personally view us, you know, like it's not accessible. Mm-hmm. Um from my point of view, of course, but um, do you think the Central American s- studies should be connected to activism? Yeah, no, I think that's a great question. Um, you know, when I went to California and I went to uh, Pitzer, Pitzer College out in the Inland Empire, mm-hmm. um, I really kind of the, the, the world in, in the sense that I was brought into was um, with, uh, at least academically speaking, mm-hmm. Um, and also with regards to activism as well, was pr- uh, primarily through, uh, you may you may know her, uh, but Dr. Suyapa Portillo. Um, she's a professor at, at Pitzer um, who, um, her, you know, Suyapa is a lot of, you know, many different things. And to me personally, mm-hmm. she's a lot of many different things. She's a professor. She's someone that I worked very closely with. But, you know, she does things on Central America, you know, and, and she's from L.A. Mm-hmm. actually also. Um, so. Mm-hmm. my that's kind of like the basis in which you know I was kind of guided academically um a bit with her and when I think about um it kind of like like you said it's right now it's it's not accessible necessarily um and I think part of that is because mm-hmm. it's not necessarily something that's uh, incorporated into a lot of academic programs right now just mm-hmm. at schools you know universities throughout throughout the country. And I think that, um, I'm, I'm very happy to hear actually that that's super cool that you got to, that you went to, um, Cal state Northridge actually I'd heard so many things about it. And so yeah, but worked there too. And, you know, she kind of talks to me about it. So I'm excited to hear a little bit too about your perspective and, and what that was like. But anyways, um, part of the reason why I think, yeah, like you said, it's inaccessible is because it's, uh, a lot of the, there's a lot of scholarship that hasn't necessarily been dedicated to Central America such that, you can have like a big collection of authors or, or academics or uh, research, you know, that has been done about Central America by Central Americans mm-hmm. or people who want to dedicate 
their teaching and their research to Central America specifically because I think there is a lot of research about Centro America and mm -hmm. and and, and o sea, las guerras, o sea, el genocidio, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But mm -hmm. that's kind of like really specific, you know. And and at the end of the day, it's kind of like there's research being done, but then o sea, no quieren regresar. Like there's no continuity. And I think that mm -hmm. right now, what mm -hmm. what I see and and experiences that I've had and people that I've met, there's a lot of up and coming people who are getting into the academy, who are saying, okay, this is important to us for different reasons aside from U.S. imperialism, kind of. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, this is something that, you know, I, you know I'm, I'm thinking about my friend, for example, shout out my guy, um, Cristian Padilla, for example. He's a history student at Yale. Mm -hmm. um, he's Catracho, he's Hondureño, and he, you know, he's writing on Central America. I think about, um, for example... Adriana Serong that I went to pitch her with, you know, she's at Yale also. She does sociology, you know, she does Central American stuff. I think about people like Suyapa and, and other professors who kind of like were the ones that have come before us who are now in graduate school, who are now like starting to get into the academy. And they have kind mm -hmm. of like, they kind of paved the way in a sense in that they had all the doors shut to them, you know, when they were trying to do mm -hmm. Central America stuff. And nonetheless, you know, they, they continue doing what they're doing and, and they, they continue to like work on Central American stuff. But in a sense, that's kind of made it easier for us, like the up and coming generations, I think, um, that, that are focusing on Central America. So, you know, something that I hope, um, is that it can continue growing so that eventually, like, mm -hmm. it's not just a subfield of latin american studies or not just a subfield mm -hmm. or like not just something that's incorporated perhaps into sociology or history or mm -hmm. anthropology but that it becomes its own thing because uh it'll be robust you know and it'll be um a lot more like writing and thinking about it in ways mm -hmm. that's different from before so i think that I'm, I'm hopeful in that sense and i think that there's a lot of up-and-coming people who are are you know we're part of this kind of movement in a sense um mm -hmm. now with regards to activism and and central american studies um i think that activism should definitely at least from my point of view you know is something that is always going to be kind of mm -hmm. at the forefront for how i'm thinking about the research that i may do or the work that i'll do mm -hmm. or the students that i'll work with um because Part of my my personal perspective has been I grew up in the United States. You know, I had the the benefits, the privileges of being in the United States, of, of growing up in the United States, speaking English, going to, you know, uh, good public schools in, in Maryland, like. Mm -hmm. And then going to Guate and seeing how like totally stark difference was for my family that, you know, they're, they're, mm -hmm. they're from a, a small rural town, you know, that like had, you know, serious violence and, and like a lot of things happened there during the civil war, during the armed conflict, I'm sorry, and the, and the genocide. Um, mm -hmm. And for me that, I don't know, those seeing those contrasting worlds made it in a sense that going into these spaces where I know that there's spaces of uh, prestige in a sense, spaces of privilege, um, like right now where I'm at at Tulane University, like going to Pitzer too, you know, I felt like that. It's like, I have all of that in the back of my mind too, because I know that that's not something that's accessible to all mm -hmm. people. And 
it uh in a sense it motivates me it, it motivates me because mm-hmm. i know that i'm very fortunate and by having kind of like this exposure to knowledge and this exposure to these kinds of institutions it, it makes you realize that the situations and the circumstances the circumstances that people go through so much in the united states as in central america what they honduras and the say you know it's mm-hmm. it's all part of a whole power dynamic you know and and you can mm-hmm. see that there's a lot of reasons behind it you know that was part of the reason that i wanted to go to school in the first place is i wanted to understand why are mm-hmm. the circumstances so different like what what has led to the, mm-hmm. the contrast that i've seen in my life and mm-hmm. i think that going to college and, and having that exposure allowed me to see those reasons behind it and recognize that those circumstances are intentionally created in a sense um, by different powers that are at play, you know, whether it be imperialism, whether it be, um, you know, all the isms like racism, discrimination, uh, colonialism, Mm -hmm. like all of these different things. So anyways, the reason I think that at the end of the day, activism is important is because we're products of all of these situations. And Mm -hmm. in a sense, we're also directly part of that. You know, I think for me, growing yeah. up and, and, and hearing things from my family members, more specifically my dad, about, you know, what happened during the, the armed conflict, what happened um, during the genocide, the circumstances that my family members had to live through, um, certain family members that we lost as a result of that. Hmm. It's something that, you know, I don't really take that lightly. You know, I think that that's something that, it really was kind of ingrained in me um, from a young age. And I think that, I don't know, that's that's kind of how I see it. it at least that's how I feel about it personally. Um, and actually, I was at a um, event a couple, couple weeks ago or maybe like a month ago. And actually, I saw, um, um, what's her name? Susan. Susan Garcia. She was there too. Oh, Susie. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she was at the event and it was with Suyapa and, and a couple other like Central American um, like academics and whatnot. And, you know, they talked about mm-hmm. how Central American studies like has to be rooted in activism when we think about mm-hmm. the circumstances that Central Americans are going through in Central America, but also in the United States. You know, all the things that, that are going on when we think about the the caravans, when we think about. Uh, when we think about the immigration system, when we think about TPS, when we think about DACA, mm-hmm. when we think about, you know, all of the things that are going on, um, there's like, we can't just kind of like f- say, uh, pretend like those things aren't happening or that it doesn't exist, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And I think, especially with some of the circumstances that we're seeing in Central America now, con los huracanes mm-hmm. y las caravanas, la migración, o sea, you know, these are things that, that mm-hmm. are really, these are the relevant things happening right now, you know, and we have to yeah. talk about that. So, sorry, I went on, I went on on a long spiel there. <laughs> no, don't worry. Um, but yeah, I'm curious, I'm curious too, to hear a little bit about like what your experience was like at CSUN and, and what Central American Studies was like there and, you know, how the professors were, how, how just how it all went. Hey, yeah, um, you know, and thank you for sharing. And I, I do share, you know, similar opinions as you uh, with activism and like Central American studies. But to share a little bit about like my experience in Central American studies, um, I went to season, of course, not 
mainly going for Central American studies. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, you know, of course, going for film. Uh, but when I saw that it was Central American studies, I didn't even think it twice. You mm-hmm. know, um, I had already been living here in Los Angeles for three and a half years where I felt like an outsider because I was in, you know, like I went to a high school with I can count with my hand how many Central Americans I knew. Mm. <laughs> uh, so I felt very out of place. Um, of course, people um, are going to, you know, question, why would you go study Central America? Like you were born in Honduras, you know? Uh, <laughs> and it actually is, a, I have a very, um, like, very like a uh, comparison just because I, I did went to school in Honduras for 14 years mm-hmm. and I kind of like comparando lo que aprendí en Honduras and lo que aprendí en el Central American studies here in college. Mm-hmm. I just think it's completely different. Mm-hmm. And it, it, because I tend to say that in Central America, but I can only speak for where I went to school. I went to school in a private Catholic only girls school and say mm-hmm. Mama Sagrado Corazon in Tegucigalpa. Mm-hmm. And and I'm hundred percent that's you know, even in the private school, uh, I can only imagine us like in a public school, um, it's the same similar um education. Um when it comes to what topics you get to learn. Um because in Honduras like there was like just where I, I tend to say that the state picks what they want you to learn, mm, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it can be similar here when you're like in high school, because once you get to college, that's when you try to learn more about like other topics and like going to this journey of, you know, like reading uh, of topics that you might be interested. So for me it was having that contrast of like, wow, like in Honduras, I never learned that. Mm. But then when you see it from the perspective of here, it's like, oh, like that was actually a bad thing. Like, why would they make me think that was a good thing, for mm, example? Okay. Or like the idea of the United States, you know, mm-hmm. they romanticize United States and, and Honduras in, in this case. Um, but here, there's nothing of romanticization, you know, like it's mainly like, okay, you know, this is, this is, yeah, the United States has um, imperialism all over. This is like La Bananeras and everything. And that's something that you don't learn over there. You right. don't, and like, for example, it, yes, you can put it, like, yeah, one was like in la universidad, la otra estaba en secundaria. But I do feel like those type of um, aspect of your country, if you're studying over there, shouldn't mm-hmm. be left out, right? right. Because that's, that's what is affecting Central America now. So coming here to learn that, like, two different perspectives, of course, had me in a very battle, not only with myself, but with the things that I was able to learn over there. Had me in an intense, uh, not arguments, but, like, conversation with my family. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, because it was like, okay, like, why, why is this, like, okay, you know, like, in this book says that, you know, por ejemplo, in Honduras, like, they will have, like, two different versions of what it was, el golpe de estado. Okay. Aquí van a tener otra versión. I live el golpe de estado, so I, I often said, like, you cannot tell me nothing. I was there. Right, right. <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, so it was, like, if personally for me, it was a battle. Okay. And as I told you at the beginning, it, it is it, studying Central American studies in season. 
um, of course, is a huge milestone, you know, for if you're Central American and you're able to learn. But at the same time, I think it could, I'm not going to say like it's a, a bad program. I think that it needs an improvement of, like you said, okay, I'm studying Central America, but what if like for the future? Okay, what well, I'm trying to do for the future because one thing is see is learning about the genocide, learning about you know like FMLN, FMLN, mm-hmm. um, you know los contras, and learning uh, the U.S. imperialism, learning about like all those type of things that happened. They said like 1990s, and I think uh, I think the, el, I mean the most extent he was said like 2009 con Honduras, mm-hmm. but like from now, it's like we don't often go to see what the current uh, issues are coming up. So what most of Central American studies that um, my, you know, my classmates, what I have seen and what we do is, of course, social media. So it's a way of, okay, being, um, of course, uh, what's it called? connected and informed through social media, through mm-hmm. um other resources to learn what is going on right now and connect it because I mean history does tend to repeat itself and right. to connect it with why we got here. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? So uh-huh. it, it is 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 a very good program. I'm not gonna say no, but I think I we should see more of today because yeah, I cannot say like I cannot I wish I can uh, I can fix what happened before, and of course that is important. Mm-hmm. But how can I know? How can we support our people now? Okay. You know, you. how can we be more active? How can we do more? And not only for the people in Central America, but at the same time the people at Aki, because mm-hmm. you know migration is coming. How can we support them? How can we, uh, you know, go through them? You know, uh, we do have this uh, area of Sayama um Central America field, field. So, like in that, in that class, we have to raise money and to be able to send to Central America, right? So it, it's a very good because we get to, of course, work together in teams and like how to raise money. Uh, but we don't pick the organizations that we give the money. So sometimes we did fail mm-hmm. at one point because we did have an issue during um, or th- my class where we were like, okay, pues no vamos a mandarle a El Salvador, vamos a mandarle Costa Rica for something, something. And we were like, no, like, why would you going to left that one country? Right? Right, right. So we just decided to do a fundraiser for all three countries, which in this case was Guatemala, El Salvador, and Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. But then the next semester it happened to be the same ones organizations oh. you know and like you get to question like okay but why didn't be able to provide to more organization because right. it's i mean as much as we can raise money here we would like to support others you mm-hmm. know um so it is is a con- of course it's a connection and you get to learn of uh learn with other people that you know most of the people in the program are first generations there mm-hmm. are a few of us who like you know have the experience of living in central america and coming here so it's a very nice dynamic where you get to uh you get your critical thinking you get like todo lo que te hayan dicho antes i guess like this mantle in your <laughs> in your mind right, um course. you know but um, I did have the battle of, okay, lo que me decía Honduras, mm-hmm. that, that's 100% a lie, you know? <laughs> okay, okay. And of course, you, you know, you, you come here 
like your books you're like okay I, of course you know there's their aspect of the history who are the same mm-hmm. but what i say about how la romantización de Estados Unidos claro. um, y digamos de los abusos de derechos humanos en mm-hmm. la historia de nuestros pueblos indígenas la historia de nuestros pueblos afrodescendientes is, is completely erased okay. in Central America yeah yeah and yeah. especially when like I I of course I knew about you know like in my in my in, in my country about you know los lencas because you know most of my family comes from that area mm-hmm. um, where you know the, uh, los los pueblos in uh, lencas viven y después los garifunas but mm-hmm. I I didn't have like you know completely knowledge of the culture the tradition what they do now what they're fighting right now what uh what their needs are right now it was right. only like oh son indígenas y después de la colonización y ya that's it right that was my that was my education back then wow right okay. here is right here was like okay they're they're still present and these are the issues um that they have been having for like the 90s the 80s and this and uh, i feel like it ends like at 2009 with the golpe de estado i think that's like the biggest that i can say hmm. but, okay. but so like from right now so what so what like central market studies is like i i personally think that central market study of course comes hand in hand with activism because mm-hmm. of, of the thing that like okay we have to be constantly learning because cada día sale algo nuevo that we right. have to be like invested of like okay what do they need what is you know like i can name you completely like different like topics and issues that happens in central america almost every day and mm-hmm. like you said mm-hmm. with the hurricane with the caravans with the migration with the you know genocide with the feminicides with the police brutality with everything right everything so i it's, it's i'm sorry to like go and extend to like try to explain it but um i do feel like you know privileged and like honored to have that because it did open my eyes if i would mm-hmm. have gone through that i would have still believed in what i was taught back in honduras mm-hmm. i was still believing my i'll say like my my privileged mestizo private school okay that that was it you know gotcha. and it, the the knowledge that I was able to to gain and you know of of course como yo le llamo como quitarme la 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 venda de los ojos mm-hmm. it, it, it for me is priceless of okay. course because it gave me to more knowledge to be able to learn more to be able to know more people mm. but at the same time I feel I do feel that we still need to continue learning to of the today because right. Central American study the studies does not end in two thousand nine. Right. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, I, I yeah. know it wasn't like really long. <laughs> no, 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 no. Thank you, thank you. No, I'm, I'm glad you, you told me all about that. Actually, that's that's cool. I actually had always wanted to meet someone who had done the program and could tell me a little bit about it. But, but yeah, no, that's interesting. Um, that you mentioned that that uh, you know, that there's kind of like the relevance of thinking about what happens now in esta coyuntura, no, mm-hmm. o sea, and I think that's something that I appreciated a lot when I was at Pisser about um. Uh, Suyapa's classes mm-hmm. uh, you know we took she offers one class every year it's called Central Americans in the U.S. Uh, and that she starts off uh, actually talking about El Golpe de Estado um, in 2009 and then mm-hmm. that's kind of like the launch point into thinking about uh, let's think about like you said how history has happened in the past and how it's repeating itself mm-hmm. and how and, and what's happening as a result of that today 
you know, so that was definitely mm-hmm. a big component of Suyapa's classes. And, um, and actually she incorpor- would incorporate activism uh, that we were doing as students directly into her classes. So for example, um, my senior year, uh, yeah, my senior year, so we had started the um, Central American Student Association, CASA, um, my junior, mm-hmm. my sophomore, junior year. And we had some success. You know, we had some people come through, but it was kind of difficult to have more kind of like sustained uh, kind of like participation, you know. And I think that was kind of like a big challenge, at least at first. Um but anyways, my senior year, we started uh, an organization that at the time was called um, Claremont for Refugee Rights. Now it's called uh, Immigrants, right, uh, Immigrants Rights Coalition in Claremont, IRCC. Um, yeah, yeah, that's what it is. But anyways, so that was started as a response to the caravans that were happening. Um, the, like those first caravans that we saw in the news um, in November of 2018. Um, you know, justo un año después de, de, de las elecciones en Honduras, ¿verdad? that they were all fraudulent and that Juan Orlando just, you know, stayed in power. And, hubo, o sea, hubo como que un golpe de estado ahí también, ¿no? It was like kind of like a, a, you know, it was like, yeah, it was kind of like a repeat. Anyways, so we started that organization and we did um, some fundraising, kind of like mutual aid thing. And then we actually went with Suyapa um, to Tijuana. And we and we took a bunch of the donations that we got, and we also took some of the fundraising um, money that we had, and we and we used it basically just as kind of like direct support, you know, just like something that could be done in the immediate, you know. But over time, uh, we we were also more involved with the Abbas class with the group. You know, we wrote, um, for example, letters to uh, detained people, uh, mm-hmm. Central American migrants who were detained, like. That was the way she incorporated it into her class. I remember when I took Central Americans in the U.S., for example, she invited numerous guest speakers, but people, for example, um, like this group, uh, it's called Amiredes or Amiredis or something like that. But it's basically um, a group of uh, catrachos that had um, come, like were trying to come to the United States and they had... Uh, now they have this capacidad because of the La Bestia. You know, they had, um, you know, some of them were just, you know, they just had this capacities um, because of that. I won't necessarily get into the details, but, you know, they were missing limbs and things like that sometimes. But anyways, so she would kind of like open platforms for people like them to come in and, and talk about their experiences. And And what was really nice about that class is that you always knew what was going on that day mm-hmm. like you know so much in the u.s as in central america itself and 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 you stayed like really up to date in her class and, and in the ways that she that she handled those classes and she also would center a lot especially with honduras she would really try and center mm-hmm. uh like the, the voices of working class people um the voices of uh like garifuna people for example mm-hmm. also the voices of like trans and, and queer uh, people as well in Honduras, migrants, also people here in the United States, women especially too, like workers. So, so Yapa really kept it kept it full circle, you know, so that we were getting kind of like that broader picture of a lot of those voices that, like you said, you know, like you were telling your experience mm-hmm. in Honduras, like those voices aren't captured, you know, into 
into discourse or like, you know, into conversations that people have. And so Suyapa really brought all those things to the forefront. And I remember one time in Central American, uh, Central Americans in the U.S., I wrote this um, paper and it was about, um, it was like some, I had to do like a history paper for her class. Mm-hmm. And, and she says, she brings me aside to one day and she was like, okay, so like you're the writing is good like you're doing okay but she's like you're telling the guy story too much about this like you need to you need to think about this differently like you're kind of telling just like the standard story like dig deeper do some more research come back with something that's not just kind of like telling the guy story you know that's what she said but you know she was basically trying to say like you're giving the the status quo kind of like idea here like rethink this like mm-hmm. think about this more critically you know and so it was cool i ended up changing the essay a lot more and and I actually got to learn more things and I remember um that it was focused specifically then I focused it more on like uh Garifuna territories in the north coast and like thinking about the activism that they're doing and um highlighting certain activists and stuff like that talking about Miriam Miranda Ofrané like those kind of organizations mm-hmm. and you know those were things that uh I feel very fortunate that she checked me on that and she said think about this differently mm-hmm. like you know challenge your challenge the narrative challenge yourself and challenge the narrative um because that's how we have to be thinking about central america and it's true you know i think i think it's Mm -hmm. it's really true that uh there's just a lot of i don't i don't know how to say i think that there's just a lot of contradictions within Mm -hmm. central american society that that need to be that need to like seriously be addressed you know machismo i think is like one of the worst Mm-hmm. things that like we have to address like and mm-hmm. it has to be something like confronted you know directly thinking about you know so many things that have happened and more recently i saw the news with um uh el feminicidio que hubo la semana pasada in, in la esperanza you know sí. thinking about the response to that and, and you know i think there's just a lot of things okay. that you know suyapa really brought to the forefront and said look we this is what we need to be this is what we need to be talking about and i think that you know that makes the most sense like like you said like history didn't just end in 2009 mm-hmm. it didn't end in you know cuando firmaron los acuerdos de paz o sea nada que ver you know it's like mm-hmm. it's happening before us right now you know and we need to we need to understand how we're also connected to what's happening right now you know so okay. anyways yeah just yeah just to agree with mm-hmm. your point just to agree with your point <laughs> Yeah. Uh you know also I feel like um well cuz I saw like this um kind of like um what's que se llama como este tema too and I mean uh I think we I don't know if you agree with me but you cannot talk um about Central America without having any political views even though if we can try just because of how political is over there and I mean even though like we try to, you know, try to separate ourselves from the políticas, al final todas las políticas siempre afectan a nuestra gente. And in in one of my classes and one of my professors that I'm very good friend and she's a, like that I honestly, out of all the professors that I had, they were all good professors, but like that professor has always like she has a special place in my heart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um because it is it's one of the professor who like i don't i didn't take notes because she used to just give like a perfect lecture mm-hmm. and it was just like that if you will be into the lecture then i 
I don't know, I, I feel like no tengo que tomar notas porque como que se me está internalizando. Oh. And, and it was about, um, I think the class was like violence and something like that. But, um, okay. But in one of the classes, we had to write like our final paper. And it was happening when, uh, pasó que lo de Juan Orlando cuando, uh -huh. él no ganó, but I mean, Ahí sigue. Entre comillas. Uh, sí, entre comillas. Ahí sigue. And I told her, you know, like, I, I'm not, I'm not the person who can say, like, oh, soy bien política, but, like, I do, I am an open person who said that I, I'm in, in a funny way to spend, I dislike the man in a very personal way. Like, I, I don't agree with everything and I, everything he does, uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> you know, um, because so i i talked about her, like about the the elections and then like you know like all the points of view and then she was like okay you know you can write about that in your final paper and i it's how you said you know like um i can easily talk about honduras politicas la política de honduras because it's you know i was like como es lo que yo más leo because you know of course i have family over there even though it doesn't affect me personally my family is over there you know like you said like it's femicidio yeah i have family over there too uh -huh. and you know seeing that and like it just makes you mad and even though at, at points you feel hopeless you try to do something so when i was writing that essay like i mean i at one point of course you i wanted to write it with anger okay um, because, I mean, I was just mad. I went to vote on that election. Uh -huh. I went to vote against the consulado. Just knowing that my vote didn't count. You know, uh -huh. like, of course you're angry. And she was like, okay. She was like, literally sent me. It's like, it's really good essay. And just like, like, you're, um, with you. Just like, but don't talk from your point of view, from your heart and your stomach get more into it uh -huh. get more into it and like it was you know like to disconnect your feelings and your and the anger and uh -huh. how like como te puedo decir como uh, como cuando te sientes como I, I forgot the word that you said como uh, I forgot the word Okay, okay, okay. Move no on, I, I'm not gonna be thinking with the word, but when you feel like you know, you just feel hopeless mm -hmm. of what is, but what is for the future. She was like, I know. She was like, I, your feelings are valid and it's really good, but like you know, try to go more in deep because it's the the violence and the corruption is more than just elections mm -hmm. yeah and i went to i i sit down with my mom i discussed it with like my family over there i have my like i was like i've been like trying to research and of course in espanol as buscando cosas and, and it's true and at the end is one of my very more proud s's that i have wrote <laughs> oh, <laughs> because nice. I, I i called it like corruption the visible killer of honduras oh, um wow. because is everybody's going to talk about violence and gangs and what this but what is actually killing us is corruption uh -huh. it's right. what is and uh, so is it is 
it's those professors, those people who make us think. And like, like I said, you know, I wrote that on that specific year when I saw the election just being robada uh -huh. in front of mis ojos. Uh -huh. And that was happening at that moment. Like I was read, I was mo most of my, my things, my um, sources went from current, you know, newspapers, current, like, things that were coming up mm -hmm. and i had to like be like come on refreshing the page <laughs> right, <laughs> most of, of the time because, you know, it, was, it was happening so those have i like i said and i'll just go back to him for um i just said you know it, history does tend to repeat um mm -hmm. and i mean i see in my country and you probably see it in guatemala and otros parts de central america it's what you know how can we do the studies? How because I mean we cannot just say, oh, pues, there's one Central American studies in Northwich because I do think that it should be in like in other places. You know, like I said, you know, it's the Central American study here in Northwich, but there's no over there in the DMV where there's a more you know concentrated Central American mm. community. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. So I had it's like, like should have, yeah. So you know, like you know what I mean? Like yes open more about that because we are here we're uh -huh. part of the diaspora we're part of the we're migrating for the same things that have been the reason of migration since the 80s the 70s you know what i mean uh -huh. we have been migrating throughout the years and even those people keep asking the question well, like come on if we don't open these resources, we can ask playing you and have more in-depth research and, uh, you know, like open uh, for others as well who are willing. Because I do, I did have so many, so many classmates who were not Central Americans. Mm. That they just major in Central America. That was their only major. Huh. That was their only major. And they, were, they had no relation to Central America. Oh, Nothing. wow. That's interesting. Yeah, so they were like, I, you know, people from the Middle East, people, you know, like Caucasians, people from like Asia. Um, they're just like, well, I, I never knew about this region, and I just want to know. So if you see um, that, of course, um, the Central American community is growing and growing, the education of, or you know, like our struggles in our history needs to be more accessible, like not. No, solo una universidad. So I'm sorry. I, I just wanted to like be, I don't know, just get excited because I, I wish everybody could have had that opportunity. An opportunity like yours, you know, like having Soyapa Portillo, but I, I'm 100% you, you, you know, te gustaría haber tenido no solo una clase, sino que más. Claro. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I agree. I agree. And yeah, I'm hoping that, you know, um, now that you know I'm, I'm in graduate school and I'm, in a sense, following in the footsteps of some people like Suyapa and, and other professors um, that have come before, that you know I'm also able to contribute to that in a ways in, in which I can highlight kind of mm -hmm. like my vision and the way I'm seeing things um, that can be useful mm -hmm. for others, you know, and, and you know I, mostly for what I focus on right now is like poblaciones indígenas en Guate. Um, which are regions that there's a lot of uh, extractivism right now and a lot of um, 
uh, like land displacement and intrusion, like seizing of mm-hmm. lands and thinking like about history, thinking about the environmental aspect, thinking about the social aspects, you know, the dimensions of like ethnicity and race and things like that. So, I mean, yeah. And I think that these are like current things that are happening and the things that we have to highlight. And before I forget, I want to go back to um, like, how you were talking about the election and something that um, Suyapa and, and, and I had worked on for the election is actually, we got funding from Pitzer and we went to San Pedro Sula as international observers for that election. Uh, so we were there in San Pedro and we really, we, yeah, yeah, we were there. Um, that, that was like during the Thanksgiving break. So instead of Thanksgiving break of like me mm. going to like, I was going to go to my friend's house in the Bay area and have a nice Thanksgiving. So yeah, <laughs> got us these tickets like a couple of days before and was like, let's go. So we went to San Pedro and, um, and we were there for the elections and we witnessed uh you know what happened and and we were there as international observers we took notes we talked to people we asked questions we saw the whole process and um then we came back to the u.s uh and we wrote an article about it you know and that was kind of like what we what you know how we kind of contributed it from using the academic resources Mm -hmm. like using the resources of the of the university um so that we could be directly involved in what was happening and then also serve that like academic role in terms of like documenting that historic mm-hmm. election and everything that happened. And mm-hmm. it was a really intense experience going there. Um, and just, you know, being in that whole environment because it was, people mm-hmm. were really tense, you know, people were, you could feel, mm-hmm. you could feel, mm-hmm. you know, it was, and, and we just were, in a bunch of different places and there were, were a lot of irregularities the tensions were really high like you mm-hmm. know the police were everywhere the police like questioned us the police like took our stuff and we're trying to see what we had <laughs> on us and like you know they were like están haciendo acá? ¿Quién es donde, donde vienen? you know um so yeah but kind of uh she you know was doing her thing and there was one time when I had to go into a classroom just to be an observer and make sure there were no like irregularities whatever and <laughs> I walk in there and everyone's so tense. People are just like screaming at me. You know, they're saying like, get out of here, like blah, 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 blah like all this stuff. What? Like, it, it was crazy. Like it was really crazy, you know, and, and people were like super on edge. And yeah, we, I don't know. I, there's, I could tell you a bunch of like little mini stories <laughs> in there, but I'll just say that it was, it was very intense and it, it, cha- it really changed <laughs> kind of, you know, it didn't change me like totally, but mm-hmm. you know, it was, it's, it's a very, like it, it's it marked a very kind of like formative or kind of like I don't know like you had said before like eye opening kind of experience and seeing and witnessing mm-hmm. just how bad like that corruption and that situation and that level of mm-hmm. um, abuse of power you know um, mm-hmm. and also just like thinking about it historically and and how that's happened before and the role that the U.S. plays. There were some moments where it was kind of overwhelming um, nonetheless, but um, I think that, yeah, to bring it back to like activism in Central American studies, like when we came back, we talked about that, like, you know, Suyapa uh, talked about it in her class. Like we went to mm-hmm. her class and, and we talked about it and we had like um, meetings, like we organized like big kind of like town, not town hall meetings, but like, 
Mm-hmm. We organized like students to come and, and uh, the, the other people that were with us, like, because it was three of us students that went with Suyapa. Um, so the three of us, we kind of like organized oh, okay. and we informed like the, the school, you know, we informed like people who came out to our event. And so, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's, there's so much, como que son tan poderosos, you know, that uh, mm-hmm. as, mu- as much effort as we, you know, put in, we, we couldn't totally change what was going on in Honduras, but at least, mm-hmm. you know, we were able to put it on people's radars and we, you know, people heard our perspectives and, you know, por lo menos ese granito de arena, mm-hmm. ¿verdad? Como que ese aporte. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I don't know. That's just kind of yeah. what, what came to mind when you were talking about the elections especially, but yeah. Yeah, but, you know, thank you for going to, and, you know, thank you to Suyapat for taking you guys <laughs> yeah. uh, because like you said it was uh, it was a very tense um you know it was actually my first election that I was voting mm. I was you know y salí de trabajo corrí hasta el consulado mm-hmm. agarré mi carro me fui voté de regreso <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> but I was in my head I was like I have to do it yeah. I have to do it you know like uh, I, you know I do feel like mi voto no contó Mm-hmm. Al final se lo robaron, but um, es, es, you know, es un deber, and a veces no lo hago por, por, por mí, uh, por mí, sino por mi familia. Mm-hmm. La mayoría yeah. de mi familia está en Honduras, so espero the, there's election this year, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I don't see, en esa pamfleta no veo ningún cambio, y, y espero que en algunos años pueda haber un cambio en Honduras. Yeah, Porque en, ahorita, aunque no me llamo en Orlando, there's not. <laughs> yeah. No, I was, I was going to ask you about your thesis. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> um, so for everyone who's um, listening, um, so have you ever wrote a thesis about the education, indigenous education in Guatemala? Uh, you know, especially after the genocide in Guatemala. And it was very interesting, like the perspectives that you were putting, because I like I have common, you know, uh, in the point of view of Honduras, those stories and point of view of our indigenous people are never looked into the education system. Mm. And reading your thesis and opened my eye that, it, you know, no solo Honduras, sino que Guatemala and probablemente which it shouldn't be that way um but i wanted to um have this time um before you know first before ending the episode to talk about more uh your thesis because i think is is a very well done thesis and it shines the uh, the light to um the indigenous groups in in guatemala um no me acuerdo el nombre del específico grupo that you mentioned. Um, mm, which I one was it? Uh, it's uh, el grupo Maya Chi or Maya Rabinalev. But yeah, I'll, t- I'll talk okay. about that regardless. Okay, okay. Um, and so, um, I, I, how you mentioned in your thesis was like, okay, indigenous education is mainly one-sided. And I mean, we have learned throughout the years how like in Guatemala is, you know, for indigenous to go to school, they're going to be thought like just one side of the story, mm. but like their reality is not that, mm-hmm. you know, like they have their parents, their grandparents who have taught, you know, le han dicho cuál ha sido la realidad. Mm-hmm. And of course we can talk about, you know, like uh, 
those who are who does not speak the Spanish language because they have their traditional um, maiden language oh. and how those, you know, language are not even thought or even accepted in this um, spaces. So, of course, it, just to tie everything together. Um, and, of course, I would like you to explain more about, like, your thesis because it's a very good thesis and, like, I mean, it's a very long and I don't... I don't know how to like, explain everything. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, but do you think the approach that you explain in your thesis, it should be not only implemented in Central America Studies program, but as well in the education system in Central America? And I know you're based in Guatemala, but I think it's a very good point of view that should be implemented everywhere. Mm. Cool. Yeah, no. Um, I appreciate the question. I appreciate also the fact that you took the time to read all of it. Um, Because even I may that way on poco leendo you know, but <laughs> at this point, after I've written it, so I appreciate you uh, taking the time to like read through all of it. But um, yeah, so I mean, where do I where do I start with this whole with the whole thesis? So you know, basically, this is a thesis that I wrote where I was looking at um, this particular school, uh, que se llama Fundación Nueva Esperanza, um, and it's basically a um it's a a ver CSBS es Centro Educativo Comunitario Bilingüe Intercultural. So, you know, it's a bilingual intercultural uh community school that uh was founded by a survivor of one of the kind of like most one of the more recognized massacres that happened in Guate. Um there were many massacres that happened, six hundred and twenty-six documented ones that happened throughout the country in the nineteen eighties. Um, but uh, Rio Negro mm -hmm. is one of the, the places that has been highlighted for a number of different reasons. But anyways, uh, this is a school that was founded by uh, Don Jesus Tecu Osorio. He um, was a small child when the massacre happened there um, in 1982, uh, in March 13th of 1982. Um, and... Um, So he wrote a book actually about his experiences and, and what happened and what he witnessed and what happened to his, his uh, siblings and his parents. And um, you can actually find the book. It's called mm, Historia de las Masacres de Rio Negro. Okay. Um, something like that. I have to, I don't remember the exact title, but it's something like that. So as a result of him writing this book, he was recognized um, by Reebok and was awarded like a human rights Um, award uh, that he actually got that he was awarded in LA. So um, he went to LA and he was awarded uh, the the prize and and he used the funding that he got from that to start Fundación Nueva Esperanza. And the whole idea of the school is to uh, provide education for students that are coming primarily from the rural areas, from las aldeas, um, and that are indigenous. And whose parents, in a sense, are, are were affected uh, or are direct survivors of the of the of the armed conflict and of the genocide. So the intention behind the school, mm -hmm. um, because of its foundation, is to recognize that history that happened to uh, indigenous communities during the 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 armed conflict and the genocide. Um, so part of that, o sea, es la memoria histórica you know, like that, that historic memory, that collective memory of what happened 
to uh, the communities because uh, the, the town that it's located in is called Rabinal, and that's where my family is from. So the history is of mm -hmm. Rabinal, de las aldeas de Rabinal, the villages of, of Rabinal, but also of the country as a whole and the region as a whole. So they they preserve that collective, that historic memory on the one hand, um, but they also do what the uh, like general state uh, Guatemalan system is not doing. Um, what basically, like you said, like exactly like you said, uh, Alejandra, like that the, the mm -hmm. state system is going to show you one, what they want you to learn. And they're going to kind of like, olvidar, they're going to put to the side, like, so what this school does is that it, it tailors the, 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 the academic experience, so to speak, to the realities of the students. And what that means is that they talk about, for example, like the historic memory, like I said, what their parents went through, what other people were going through, what happened in the comunidades. Um, they, mm -hmm. they do, for example, other like agricultural stuff too. Like they do, um, for example, como hacer una huerta, you know, how to have your herbs mm -hmm. where you can like grow things so that you can have nourishment and you can have vegetables. And they learn how to like sembrar la milpa, o sea, sembrar el maíz, the plant the corn. Mm -hmm. Um, they have, uh, like cultural events too, because Rabinal specifically, uh, is, is characterized for some of the, the, the bailes. Que se practican, no las danzas. Um, among them is mm -hmm. Rabinalachi, which is like kind of like the, the most recognized of Rabinal. And, and that's, you know, that's part of the UN, uh, Patrimonio Cultural, Cultural Heritage. And it's been, it was mm -hmm. recognized as that. So, anyways, there's like cultural events, you know, they do the danzas, they do, um, for example, events that, uh, to address like gender disparities and gender violence and things like that. Uh, they talk about el campesinado, o sea, las, las experiencias del campesino, mm -hmm. la campesina, uh, what that's like. And so basically it, the school is just really um, powerful in that sense because it's, it's going against kind of that colonial narrative that derived into the Guatemalan mm -hmm. state. And so uh, what I talk about in that thesis is a little bit of the background. Um, you know, the history behind all of these things, how indigenous people in Guatemala are um, understood. Because actually in, in Guate, uh, most of the population is indigenous. Like, algunos dicen 40%, mm -hmm. pero, o sea, I know that it's more than 50% of the population is indigenous. Yeah, I, think, I think it was like 60%? Yeah, right. Or so, more, I think yeah, it is. I put 60% in the... Uh, in the thesis because I was able to find mm -hmm. that stat. But like I said, it's something that's highly debated, you know, depending on who you ask, like mm -hmm. people are going to say, Oh, it's only like 20%. Some it's 30, but you know, I found, I was able to find that stat. So I included that one. But mm -hmm. anyways, um, es un país indígena. O sea, Guate es un país indígena. O sea, C and C, you know? Um, so mm -hmm. part of, uh, the importance of that school is like, recognizing that and not kind of like leaving el indígena or la persona indígena as like a relic of the past or uh you know no son los antiguos mayas you know they're not out here uh mm -hmm. in tikal they're you know it's like that they because of that whole thing of the ancient mayans and like mexico the yucatan you know they're not part of an ancient past like mm -hmm. estamos acá todavía estamos aquí you know like this is Exacto. happening you know 
So anyway, so I talk a little bit about that to, to kind of like highlight the, the discrimination and the discrepancies and the, you know, the racism that people experience there and, and also, um, the circumstances behind, uh, some of the, the difficult realities that people experience in the rural areas as a result of inequalities, as a result of discrimination, systematic oppression, capitalism, colonialism, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. Mm-hmm. So anyways, it was, a, it was a, it was a nice experience because I got to read all of these things and, and and get to some of those root causes, like I mentioned earlier, or yeah, to understand why I was seeing such uh, stark differences and so much like discrimination and so many difficult experiences. You know what I'm saying? So um, mm-hmm. I got to complement that by talking with the students and interacting with the students and, and learning from them. And um, you know, I was just very fortunate, and I appreciate them so much um, because uh, they were so like. Um, People are, la gente ahí es un poco tímida, you know, and, and especially mm-hmm. me, when I, when I go there, you know, my family's from there. My dad is even like a teacher at that school and like I have cousins that go to that school, pero, you know, yo soy diferente porque vengo de Estados Unidos, you know, like people mm-hmm. like treat, treated me differently and that's fine. Mm-hmm. I don't have any problem with that, but you know, it, it was kind of like hard to break the ice a little bit at first. Um, but eventually mm-hmm. like, you know, the people, they were, I mean, the students were really nice and, and they, you know, they talked to me and I got to have a nice experience with them. Like, that's what mm-hmm. I really appreciate a lot about having that experience. And, and I really appreciate their words and, and their perspectives. And I'm just very, very grateful to them, um, because it gave me, um, a lot of like personal insights too, and, and made me kind of like reinterpret a little bit who I am and, and think about myself in a way mm-hmm. that was different. Um, and so I don't know if you saw kind of like towards the end of the, of the thesis, Alejandra, that I was kind of like, that I mm-hmm. felt weird a little bit about the whole dynamic, you know, of, of being kind of like a researcher, mm-hmm. entre comillas, you know, like, um, mm-hmm. but uh, at the end of the day, I just, I, I felt very grateful. I felt very grateful. And, it was a process, but uh, I'm glad that that you enjoyed reading it, and and I'm hoping that that's kind of that's kind of been a launch point for me. And I'm thinking about how in a year's time uh, I'm gonna have to be writing my master's thesis, um, and thinking about how that's gonna work out. So, yeah, it's it was a it was a first step. <laughs> yeah, but definitely is it was a really good you know, um, especially you know, uh, seeing it from. Like you said, I, uh, from point of views of like, okay, what, like the education system from their point of view and how you said, you know, incorporando como, como sobrar mil paso, cosas así, because I mean, I feel like we all can learn that it, is, it should be helpful, mm-hmm. you know, even though like aquí, <laughs> you know, um, no se puede sembrar tanto, pero igual es algo que se debería aprender. And not only that, I think that the contrast that you said and como, como se dice, el, el Guatemala es un, es un país más que todo indígena. And I think that if we have an education system that is more inclusive and at the same time that can not only t- like can tell the real story, mm. you know, not one-sided, um, it should be beneficial for everyone. And, you know, I'm, I'm very excited for, you know, your journey. I know you're in grad school right now mm-hmm. and I can only imagine you know, of course, the connections. Um, I'm I'm currently right now uh, filming a documentary about. It's a, it's 
it's it's not in the Ichik community, it's in the Mamco Mayan community. But mm. it's um it's about the connection to the identity well when they migrate here. Oh, cool. And just I had yeah, so just I had uh, some of the same, you know, issue not issues, but like, you know, como you know, um the que a veces cuesta como hablar o cosas así because mm. I often feel like it's because so many people have abuse of their knowledge and their stories mm-hmm. that you don't know who to trust, right? Okay. right, right. Um, so that's like you know, I I am I I was a very honest with everyone. I was like you know like I'm I'm not mine. Mm-hmm. I you can like I'm I am an outsider. I know you know where's my me, like where is my place. Uh, but I would never you know misrepresent them and i it's as you said you know i think that getting to know them and seeing them you know talk about their stories up about the struggles like for for me with like you know the migration and I'm, I'm sure for you like you know going a los pueblos um you you get to like see the world from a different perspective that you never think that you could have you know seen it mm-hmm. you know um for me viajar a oakland and you know ellos me contaban como like because they're interpreters mm-hmm. so they, how they go interpret or like a veces como me decían you know yeah there are people who get stopped here and and no hablan espanol and you know even that like to you know um knowing how like their main language is not Spanish. Right. And that's, uh, like, you know, how people assume. So it's, when when you were, like, telling me how, like, your connection, like, you know, the, como estabas actuando, uh, como se llama? Trabajando con ellos y obviamente with your thesis, it made me think, like, you know, it, it's true. Like, uh, these people have so much, like, history. Sometimes, like, people nomás llega y les quieren hacer las cosas y a veces they just feel shy mm-hmm. or they don't want to open up because you don't know right. and i'm glad you had the opportunity you know to get more connected to your culture and like get to you know talk to them and to write this amazing thesis because i'm i i, I don't know you don't have it posted or any or anywhere uh not you necessarily don't... no i sent it to susan okay. via, you know last time she, she was compiling okay. like central america stuff but it's not like i could make it public you know i just i don't like to kind of like okay. show off in a sense you know <laughs> oh okay <laughs> don't worry okay yo le voy a mandar un mensaje a susi ya la leíste but you know thank you <laughs> thank you um do you have anything else that you want to say um i just uh no i think just to finish off just want to thank you again just uh thank you for for the questions and for for the time and the space i really appreciate this opportunity and i'm glad that that we can make it happen and um, i'm excited to uh share it with some people and, and you know maybe people who have not necessarily heard me talk about these things um now can maybe have the opportunity to to hear mm-hmm. what that's all about but no, I just appreciate I appreciate the time. Thank you to you and um, you know anyone who is still listening. Like you know, shout out to all those people that have been along the journey and have and have uh, been part of my life too. I appreciate y'all and and yeah, I'm just grateful. So that's all. That's all I got. 
Uh, thank you. Thank you, Javier, for, you know, taking the time to come and talk to me uh, with me. Um, is It was an honor, of course, to talk about um, studies and all this. Uh, but thank you. Don't forget to check our website at centralamericanvoices.com where you can subscribe to our mailing list. Also, follow us on Instagram at Sentime Voices Podcast and on Twitter at Sentime Voices Pod. You can also like and follow our Facebook page where you can join the Central American Voices Facebook group. If you'd like to support this podcast and my work, you can donate through our website or become a patron. I really appreciate it. Also, don't forget to come back for our next episode.